Welcome back to the SFDC Consultant Podcast. My name is Emmerich, and today I'm sharing a conversation with Chris Emmett, pre-sales consultant at a platinum Salesforce consulting partner called Make Positive. We touched on a few subjects such as industry expertise, certifications, getting into Salesforce and more. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Chris. My name is Chris Emmett. I'm a pre-sales consultant at a partner in London called Make Positive. I work with customers to understand their business issues, or sometimes technical issues, and then come up with a Salesforce-based solution to meet those needs. Then that's passed over to a delivery team to actually implement. If we just talk about your area of responsibility, you have a number of clients coming in with pre-existing issues, let's just call them that way, in terms of their orgs, business growth. That's a nice to have issue whenever you have business growth and you need to adapt. So what's your process? Someone comes in, what's your uh, first point of contact? Are you trying to get some information out of them? Are you trying to get them on a call? What do you need from the client before you actually start putting pen on paper to try to map some type of uh, technology solution? In an ideal world, you're having a few hours with an end user or a CTO, or sometimes even a CEO, depending on the size of the company. So ideally, you are speaking to them, you are understanding their business issues. And if if there is a technical issue, you're speaking to someone with IT. But it's not uncommon that you wouldn't even have that access. And that's the scary side of it where you're really having to pull up your experience of previous clients and trying to imagine what their issues are and what the solution to those issues are. But ideally, you are sitting down with people in the business, you're saying, tell me about your business process, tell me about your day, tell me about the issues that you encounter on a regular basis and your wishes. What would you like to see fixed? And then we we bundle all that together and turn all of those real world business issues into a technical solution. And that's, for me, that's the key. It's understanding the business problem rather than just trying to focus on features. You're trying to figure out how you overcome an issue rather than just, what does this amazing new feature in Flow? Let's, let's put that in. It's no, it's you're having a problem where you're missing emails coming in from clients. Okay, let, let's fix that issue. You mentioned the technical solution. And I was wondering, how does that actually look from a practical point of view? Are you using flashcards? Are you using process flows? How does that work? So it, it, depends, on, it depends on the customer. If the customer's forthcoming with their process, then we might write that up and play it back to them, or at least an efficient, uh, yeah, a version of that process that made more efficiently to make sure that we understand their business. Sometimes they, if they're brand new to Salesforce, we, we might just list a number of features that they're gonna get, which is backwards from what I said earlier. But So you might get, we're going to implement this number of sales processes, or you're going to get email to case, or you're going to get live agents. We might list it out that way. Very rarely do I write out a complete process 
because I want to give the delivery team the flexibility to actually come up with the best solution. At the end of the day, in pre-sales, I'm given most eight hours with a customer over a two, three week period. The delivery team, when they're in define, in the define and design, you know, the design part of a project, they're going to be spending a few weeks with them just going through their business. They're going to, the project team is going to have a much better understanding of that business than pre-sales. So the trick with putting together a proposal for a customer is to make sure we're meeting their needs, but keeping it open enough for the delivery team to actually go into that level of detail. Because they're just going to have that amount of time to go into that detail. The other thing I I was going to ask, and, and you mentioned it earlier when you said you're trying to think about your past experiences, trying mm-hmm. to relate in a way to certain clients. And, and I've been into this, for example, with financial services. Whenever someone says it, it, it's some type of accreditation or we're being the government or, or the institution need to regulate, then it's if you regulate one, you regulate all, basically. So there is a commonality there. But I was going to ask, from your point of view, how important is that? And would you go as far as encouraging people to potentially specialize in certain industries within pre-sales? Or, or, or you think that one person can actually support multiple industries, even though they can be distinct industries within pre-sale? What's your take on that? If you asked me five years ago, I would have said it's, it's important to get a wide breadth of knowledge. It's important to catch the net and to understand lots of different industries. But I feel like the tide's changing on that massively and we're becoming more, more and more specialized. And I, I had about, before I joined the, before I went into Salesforce, um, I had about 10 years experience in manufacturing. And I then moved away from manufacturing and went into Salesforce and did a bit of public sector, did a bit of uh, marketing companies and just dotted around. And I'm actually finding that the experience in manufacturing has given me far more benefit now because I'm able to take that in-depth knowledge and really drive it to the customers and to, to give a really tailored experience. And I feel that Sure, it's it's difficult to spread your wings into other areas, but if you if you've got experience in a certain sector, that can be a massive benefit because you've just got this built-in knowledge that you can just use and you can talk to the customer on their level in their language. And it just means that you're gonna create a better um relationship with them, which means you'll be able to, as I mentioned, be on the same wavelength and actually build a proper partnership. And yeah. when you build that partnership, where you're actually on friendly terms with that customer because you're talking that same language, that just makes the whole experience easier. Your director calls you, we need to have this in the next two hours. I need you to do a, a very bare bones demo of, of something. What's your process on that? I'll, I'll answer it in, in, in terms of the workshops I did last year, the two hour build workshops. So during those these workshops, everyone joins at the start. We walk through a scenario. 
and we spend maybe the first hour just breaking down that scenario, looking at the detail of the text, what's the requirements of the business, what's the structure of that business, what's their current landscape, are they on Salesforce or they're not on Salesforce, do they need to track this, do they need to track that, do they need to track the other, and then build it out just, I use Lucidchart, but you could use a pen and paper, you just draw in boxes that denote the objects in the system, tables, whatever you words you want to use but what information we need to track and how we would track it. And that first hour is entirely paper-based without going into Salesforce. And only then once you've actually understood in relative plain English what you need to track and how you're going to track it, then you actually turn that into a solution. And for me, that's... I've done a number of talks over the years on Salesforce, a lot of it, a lot of the heart of those talks comes back to the concept of you you write it down, you design it. And it's for me, it's vital that you spend as much time as possible designing a solution before you actually implement it, even if it's over a two-hour period. One of my favorite examples is I a few years ago, I worked on two projects uh, that were almost identical. And one project had... Uh, very little design, but it, it had a lot of user stories. You know, as a user, I want to do this so that I can, well. And that took six months to implement, six to seven months, I believe. We did an identical project where we spent an entire month implementing, uh, sorry, an entire month designing it. So before we even logged into Salesforce for the first time, we spent a month just writing down every single button, every single function, every single piece of text. And then we implemented it in two months. So from seven months to three months, it, just by spending a, a month doing design. So for me, that write-up process before you even log into Salesforce is so important because it dictates everything. And it means that you're thinking thinking through instead of just diving into process builder or diving into object manager. If you think about it on paper first, you can make sure that you understand the end to end before logging into Salesforce. The, the key point there would be that it's probably a good skill to have to be able to break down these requirements on paper before yes. you actually start creating fields or start creating objects. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be rocket science. You don't have to go into any level of detail. You don't have to follow any standard. As long as you understand what you're drawing and how you're designing it, that, that's, 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 that's a standard that's good enough. There's obviously best practices when you're implementing something that you want to follow. And if you're serious about that, the architect designer exams are great. When I started to study for the designer exams, my level of understanding of Salesforce's limitations and advantages just shot through the roof. And it's not really until I started to study those that I understood the limitations. So for example, one limitation that a lot of people probably don't know is that if you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of records or millions of records, you don't want to have a formula field anywhere near that object because Salesforce will just slow to a crawl. 
and you want to use something like Process Builder to stamp that information in instead of form field. But until I did the exams, until I, until I studied for those exams, I didn't know that. So I was just happily using very, very bad practice. The other thing I was going to ask you, and specifically to, to the two-hour builds that you've been doing, and yeah. like I said, I've participated in one as well, just, just trying to see what, how other people think about issues and how other people think about simple problems. I think, I think the one that, that you were doing, it was something relating to COVID at that point. The escape well, room. I, oh, I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was the escape room. Yeah, yeah escape room. And, and of course, linked to, linked to COVID for cleaning and, and sanitation. So it was quite interesting to see, to hear some of the, to hear some of the people pitching their ideas like, oh, okay, well, that's one way to think about it. Because sometimes, and, and I do fall into that category, unfortunately, when you look at something and you have an idea and you say, well, that's the correct idea. Well, there are multiple correct ideas that it can be just one correct idea. So I thought mm, it's interesting how, how other people look at it. But I was going to ask you specifically, what have you learned, I guess, from, from that experience? With the exception of, I think, I think the community is, 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 is grateful. It seems that people appreciate the effort that you're putting in. But what has been your experience seeing all those people joining, see, hear some of the benefits that they're getting out of it? Aside from the immense amount of gratitude, which is, is incredible, uh, and I can't underplay that, I, I just, it's amazing to see these different ideas. It's amazing to, Salesforce is such a vast platform, you cannot know everything. No, no one person can know everything. So there's always little nuggets of information that someone's bringing up that I'm, I'm always learning. Every single time I'm learning from these scenarios. But it's, it's also interesting to see how people think about problems and how people break these problems down. And just to see the different angles. Because I, I make a point, and this was really difficult to begin with. I make a point of not designing a solution for these scenarios beforehand. I go in completely blind and it was so, so scary at the start because these could have just fallen flat on their backside and just been the this longest and most boring two hours ever. If anything, I find that two hours is not enough in many regards. We, we do rush towards the end, but you can only really take people's time up so long. But last year, I've not quite got the schedule nailed for this year but last year I was doing two to three sessions per month with different people turning up every single time and we would have a completely different solution every single time the same scenario could have three completely different outcomes and that's amazing that's incredible to see where some people will go very simple with a solution and use out-of-the-box features like maybe renaming standard objects some people will go completely custom object and in one scenario, which was a, a pet rescue, we had standard objects. We had custom objects. On one, we had a managed package. We did the design, and then we looked on the app exchange. That's three completely different solutions that all worked. They're all fine. They're all following some level of best practice, but they were completely different. 
which I find incredible. I, I love the, the fact that you can solve a problem in Salesforce in so many different ways. And there is no right way. There's plenty of wrong ways, but there's no one right way of doing something. Last subject that I would want to touch upon is, is probably, again, related to career and, and related to starting within the Salesforce ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And I was probably going to ask you about the learning curve around consultancy versus ISVs or mm-hmm. trailhead versus courses. I guess my question is, in case someone has a level of aspiration to get exposure to projects, presumably the best way is to get into a consultancy. In order to get to a consultancy, in case you're like ground zero right now, what would you recommend to yourself? Spending a few hours a day on Trailhead for the next two months, getting certifications, building mock-up applications. What would be your go-to strategy for that? I can't give direct advice. What I can do is tell, tell you what my journey was. And if I was doing it again, I would do exactly the same thing. So I was introduced to Salesforce in 2015, 2016. And I was introduced to it through a pilot project with the company I was working for at the time. And that pilot project failed tremendously. I was introduced to Salesforce during that project. And when that project failed, I was not ready to leave Salesforce. I was intrigued. I was in that accidental admin. And it was, okay, if this company is going to get rid of Salesforce, I'm going to quit. So in mid-2016, I made the conscious effort to quit that company. And I did. From August time, I think, I started applying for other jobs with no experience in Salesforce whatsoever. No certifications, no trailhead badges, nothing. Just an interest in getting into Salesforce. And from August until May, the following year, I was interviewing probably every week. It took me nearly a year before someone would just give me a chance because I was getting uh, rejections of not enough experience or you don't, you, you're not the person looking for or any number of reasons why they wouldn't. But then this one company in Cambridge gave me a shot. Um, I had to take a pay cut, but they gave me a shot. And I was so excited. I basically just got the job because I was begging anyone to give me a job. Just showing through pure enthusiasm without a single cert, without a single trailhead badge. And then during my two-month notice period, before I started that job, I thought, right, I need to land with as much knowledge as possible. So I hit trailhead every single night. And in those two months, I went from zero badges to 120 badges, thinking this is still not going to be enough. There's going to be people in that building that that know way more than me and have got way more badges than I have. And when I joined, I had way more badges than a lot of people. A lot of people had maybe 30 badges and I was rocking up having just got ranger status in two months. And then in in that year, I got five certs as well in, in that first year. And that was through pure imposter syndrome because I thought that everyone else there had a right to be there because, well, They'd got their foot in the door, they were doing it as a job, and I was some sort of imposter just wanting to join the party. And 
I didn't need to. In the end, it was just my enthusiasm that got that job. Sure, I had to take a pay cut, but that swiftly turned around after a year. And then the, the pay increased. I had to take that temporary hit and just show a lot of enthusiasm. And that's what got me the job ultimately. And I feel that that's what will ultimately get anyone the job, just showing pure enthusiasm. If you walk in saying, give me a Salesforce job, I've got an admin cert and I've got 100 badges, to me, that's not going to get you the job. Saying, give me the job, here are the benefits that I can bring to your company and here's all the enthusiasm and the sector background, bringing back to that previous conversation, that's going to get you the job. My current job at Make Positive, my background in project management actually nailed me that job. Even as a consultant, I was coming in saying, this is why I will be good on projects because I understand scope and budget and timeline. The 10 certs that I had at the time didn't get me the job. It was the extra stuff. My last question or my last point that I was going to make is, in terms of next steps, you mentioned that you don't have a, a schedule for like the two-hour builds for this year. What are your, not professional life objectives, but just on the side of that, what were you planning for this year? Is there anything that you're, you're planning to do more sessions, to engage a bit more with the community, even though you're doing a lot of that? What's the plan for this year? Over the past few years, I've stumbled upon doing different things over a 12-month period. So in 2019, I did a series of videos called Blazing Tips, which are three-minute videos on how to maybe how to set up path or confetti or creating an object or signing up to a developer org. And then last year, I did the two-hour builds. So if I'm very, very uncreative, I will carry on with the two-hour builds, but if possible, I would like to see that just shift ever so slightly into something different, but still keeping that ethos of having people gather and coming together and sharing knowledge, because I think that's such a powerful thing. And it's such a joy to see people just contribute, especially those that are fairly new to Salesforce the ones that have the imposter syndrome that feel like they don't belong in that group. Whereas in reality, every single person belongs in that group. Because even if you're nothing about Salesforce, you probably know something about business or the sector you're in. You've got value to add. And for me, that's the ethos about getting into Salesforce. It's not about how many certs you have. It's not about how many badges you have. It's about the knowledge that you have in business about your history outside of Salesforce, if anything, which to be honest is why I, I don't really lean on telling people how many certs I have these days or how many badges I have these days because they are great, they are important, but they're nowhere near as important as my history as a project manager or my history in manufacturing or the work I've done in the public sector. That's actually more important than knowing how to use Salesforce, in my opinion. Thank you for listening to the SFDC Consultant Podcast. Be sure to visit sfdcconsultant.com to access the show notes and discover additional content. If you enjoyed the podcast, 
it would be amazing if you could subscribe, give us a review, and share it with your peers. Until next time, take care.